it's just it's just it's just my way. You might say, I, I don't know what I could do if I went blind. I'd have a terrible time. I'd have to either learn quickly Braille or have somebody read to me. Because reading is is what I like most to do. Theater Simple and the King County Library System in Washington State present Bookbench, The Library Project, a series of conversations about books, poems, stories, and reading. The Library Project aims to capture a not-so-small snapshot of people who use libraries, the myriad reasons they come, and their thoughts about books, reading, and perhaps what they are excited about reading now. Bookbench is an interactive art installation bringing the experience of Theatre Simple's Parkbench, artful conversations with everyday passers-by, indoors to different regions of the King County Library System. These recorded interviews are resulting in a series of podcasts that can be heard around the world. For Bookbench, we redesigned our big old rolling outdoor set to be an indoor installation. We start with a few questions along the lines of, do you remember who taught you to read? Do you like to read? Why or why not? What is your oldest, clearest, or strongest memory of a library? And why do you think you remember it? What's your favorite story or poem? Have you ever had a book surprise or even change you? What do you want people to consider when it comes to books or stories in general? And we go from there. So, our second book bench was at the Mercer Island Library a warm and busy place tucked onto a littoral island between Seattle and Bellevue, where a giant rabbit sculpture welcomes patrons. We came on a Saturday, and there was a movie matinee about to play in the conference room, so there was a pretty wide sample of folks coming into the library for various reasons. Kids in soccer uniforms, adults in jogging clothes, folks with and without parents or grandkids, quick drop-offs, and folks who spend the day. Again, we were in the clearest space, which was right by the automatic doors. Books sampled today include Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland and Herman Melville's Moby Dick. One of the nice things about being in a smaller um, library like this, in a, in a isolated community like Mercer Island is, you really have a, it's like being in Shangri-La or something. You're, uh, or I grew up in Iowa, so it reminds me a lot of small town Iowa where everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everybody's business and, and everybody cares about everybody. Uh, is Mercer Island your home? Yes, it is. How long have you lived here? 25 years. That's a, that's a good long time. Yes, it is. What's your favorite thing about the library here? Well, number one, convenience. Uh, number two, the friendliness of the staff. Hmm. And number three, they usually have what I'm looking for. Have you have you always been a big library person, or like, I since grew you were up little, or? next door to my village library at home as a child. My goal in life was to try and read. It was a one-room library, and my goal was I was going to try and read every book in that library. Needless to say, I was not successful. But uh, the love of books comes through a long line in my family. The main thing I come actually here for is to assemble uh, the music. I, I love music, and uh, you can just get so much music uh, for free at the libraries. We lo love it here, and we love the people there. 
they are really nice and the people even re remember our name. I mean, they call your name and mm -hmm. things like that. So it's, it's make it more intimate relationship with that. That community yeah. is stronger that yeah. way as opposed to you're just a library card. Yeah. Uh, libraries were a big part of my growing up. Um, I lived in a small town of Pennsylvania and we had just a branch library that was pretty, you know, pretty small, but my dad always brought me there to get books and from the time we were little and it was just a really enjoyable destination to go and, and uh, check out new things. I love the book reservation system. Really? Tell me about that. Well, because I love to read bestsellers, but instead of buying them, a lot of times I just want to read it once, and so I can put my reservation in. Do you get notified online about it? Yeah. It sends you messages, reminders, when to come pick the book up. It reminds you when your books are almost due. It's a great, great system, and I think it's free, which is amazing, too. I'd pay for it if I had to. Tell me, uh, what are the things that you like about the Mercer Island Library? Well, I like just about everything. It's just fine. We've got the computers if you want to use them and all that sort of thing, the printing machine, you can print your stuff, and a copy machine, and a nice bathroom. Uh, it's a good library. Since I was a little girl, my mother made a point of taking us to the library at least one time a week, and we would come out of the library with just armfuls of books. I could barely carry all the books. I couldn't believe they'd let us check that many out. And you'd get to, and you'd read them all before you went back the next week? Of course, of course. I was a voracious reader. What is it that draws you in here, kids? Um, your kids or the kids who are here? Our kids. Our, our kids. Uh, yeah, we, so. we have two kids, and uh, our first grader is now at the age where he's learning to read in earnest, and so we're constantly bringing books home for him. And then his little brother always wants new books, too, so. And they want old favorites, too. How, how often do you come here? About once, twice, three times a week. Yeah? What's your favorite thing about the library here? Books. I, I read when I was about three or four. I was wow. I was kind of precocious. Yeah. yeah. My dad used to take me shopping and I'd go read labels off the supermarket cans. <laughs> how old were you and you learned how to read? Oh, you know what? That's a good story, actually. I was probably mm, five or six years old and my parents loved to tell me, and I kind of remember this too, that I learned to read in a graveyard. Awesome. I know. I was just so fascinated with the tombstones and the idea that all these dead bodies laid underneath the ground. So I was just fascinated to figure out who was underneath that tombstone. And how old were you when you learned how to read? Oh, wow. I came to the U.S. when I was 12. Yeah. This was different. I mean... Now, what, what's your original language? Vietnamese. Did you did you read in Vietnamese? Yeah. How old were you when you learned how to read it that way? Oh, very young. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Now, is it different reading in one language than another? Uh, <laughs> I I guess the story sometimes is um, is different. Usually, uh, in Vietnamese, we read a lot of uh, book with teaching you how to be a good person, mm -hmm. or different message in mm -hmm. there. I, I live in the library. I've lived in the library since I was about 10 years old, I suppose. Oh, really? Really? Oh, yeah. Libraries. Well, tell me about the importance of libraries when you were a kid, what they meant for you. Well, at that time, I lived in Plainfield, New Jersey, and the library was a walk of about ooh, maybe six or seven blocks. And the interesting thing about that is that the people next door to us, Mr. and Mrs. Spicer, 
had an unmarried daughter. Anyhow, she had a bicycle, and she'd get up on her bicycle, and she'd go over to the library. <laughs> and she was, a, she was a librarian. It wasn't a large library, no. But you have, one had to be very quiet those days, mm -hmm. and if you weren't, Millie would come around and shush you. The children's department is much too close to the adult usage, and the parents today uh, seem to feel that it should be a place to come and play, and the running and shouting is very disturbing to those of us that taught our children to be silent and respectful in the libraries. And these are good people. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying these aren't good people. They're very, very good, and they want to encourage their children to use the library. But there, we did it. My children all grew up to be good library users, but they were very quiet in the libraries, and I miss that. The Liberty Magazine was printed every, whatever it was, but the back page had jokes. Uh -huh. And I would go and get that magazine, and I would just laugh, and then that's when I got shushed, because the jokes in the Liberty Magazine back page were kind of funny to me. Active reading kind of gets you into the story and puts you into the story. Mm -hmm. And the story is basically what's important to me, and the characters, and... If I can get into the story, it's like you're living in a different world, sort of. Have you ever had that thing when you're reading along and suddenly mm -hmm. you look up and like the whole day is gone? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's sort of nice when that happens. Mm -hmm. Have you ever like uh, started reading a Harry Potter book and then looked up and found the whole day has gone by? Pretty much. <laughs> Other than the night has gone by. Or the night has gone by. Do you, do you read under the covers with a flashlight? No. No, okay. I uh, tried it. I can't get the flashlights filled out. It's impossible. <laughs> Oysters, come and walk with us, the walrus did beseech a pleasant walk, a pleasant talk along the briny beach. We cannot do with more than four, so give a hand to each. So it's been quite funny, both of them at the age of two, like right after the second birthday, could open up a book and turn the pages and read what was on, you know, recite what was on the page, not reading, but recite what was on the page. The time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax, of cabbages and kings, and why the sea is boiling hot, and whether pigs have wings. Did you ever read aloud to anybody? Oh yes, my children. Yes? What were some of their books that you used to read over and over again? Uh, well, I, the Oz books to begin with, and they're both an excellent start. into fantasy <laughs> as a result of it. It seems a shame, the walrus said, to play them such a trick. Yeah, I know what's coming now. <laughs> <laughs> After we bought them out so far and made them trot so quick, the carpenter said nothing but the butters spread too thick. <laughs> I'm working on reading to my four-year-old a little bit at a time, Charlotte's Web. Mm -hmm. We're just going through Such a page book. or two, I know. And okay. so I don't know so if she digs half of it, but we'll, mm -hmm. we'll press on. Oh, Oyster, said the carpenter, you've had a pleasant run. Shall we be trotting home again? But answer came from none. <laughs> and this was extremely hard because it eaten every one. And 
what I find about reading, it reinforces your usage of the library system Mm -hmm. uh, and your usage of language. The more you read, the better facility you have with the English language or whatever language you're reading. Second of all, it totally transports you to another world. Exactly. And third, it increases your knowledge. Well, one of the things is just the, um, I mean, I just, I love knowledge and I uh, love learning. And to me, it's just basically pretty, a big statement, a grand statement. But it's like, if I didn't have access to new information, and new understanding, a huge aspect of my life would just be gone. And uh, I know mean, it sounds like a very harsh statement, but uh, I just, I like the uh, ability to just grab any information I can at any time. I think that with the today's media, and, and I'm a huge internet user as well, but I, I think that kids that don't grow up learning to read and enjoy reading are missing out on so much because it just takes your mind into so many places and you learn about things that you never would experience firsthand. And for me, you know, as a, as a young child, that's what motivated me to excel and to grow my life and do things that, you know, probably a lot of people where I grew up wouldn't do just because I'd read about so many faraway places and different hmm. things. What do you think is important about knowing how to read? Uh, because a lot of things nowadays have to do with reading because instead of just symbols, if you want to know where to return something, in, at least in this library, there's words. It would just hard to be organized. You could have a very hard time using a computer. It's one of the most important things that we can uh, support in society. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a very strong believer in education. I'm a very strong believer in literacy. It's the great conversation. I don't know how people live without it. You know, you get to converse with all of time, you know, and you meet the other. It's one of the things that I find sort of dissatisfactory about um, a lot of uh, our interactive technology now. I'm not against it by any means, but it can sometimes seem sort of lost in itself. You know, it's, you mean? well, people tend to be mainly worried about communicating what they think or feel toward the object. And frankly, when I started to read, and when I still read, I'm looking to sort of find out what the other side has to say. Have you ever been changed by a book you've read? I don't know about an individual book, certainly just by the experience. I mean, books have just been such an integral part of my life. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if I could say that they've changed me. I think they perhaps reinforce who I am anyway. That's a great, that's a wonderful way to put that. I like that. What's your favorite book ever? Oh, that's or tough. one that you've returned to. Top three. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there are some that change your life. Um, that's a good place so to start. Moby Dick is a, is a sort of earth-shattering experience. The three mastheads are kept manned from sunrise to sunset, the seamen taking their regular turns, as at the helm, and relieving each other every two hours. In the serene weather of the tropics, it is exceedingly pleasant. The masthead nay, to a dreamy, meditative man it is delightful. There you stand, a hundred feet above the silent decks, striding along the deep, as if the masts were gigantic stilts, while beneath you and your legs, as it were, swim the hugest monsters of the sea, even as ships once sailed between the boots of the famous Colossus at Old Roads. There you stand, 
lost in the infinite series of the sea, with nothing ruffled but the waves. The trance ship indolently rolls, the drowsy trade winds blow, everything resolves you into languor. For the most part, in this dropping whaling life, a sublime uneventfulness invests you. You hear no news, read no gazettes, extras with startling amount of commonplaces never delude you into unnecessary excitements. You hear of no domestic afflictions, bankrupt securities, fall of stocks, are never troubled with the thought of what you shall have for dinner, for all your meals for three years and more are snugly stowed in casks, and your bill of fare is immutable. How relevant. <laughs> Any thoughts about that passage? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that and saying it's like a second life, right, for, uh, for the seamen, and think about the, the 2008 times we are in, and I think a lot of us are looking for books to escape some of the things that mm -hmm. we see every day on the news and create sort of a universe for ourselves that's different. The sea had jeeringly kept his finite body up, but drowned the infinite of his soul. Not drowned entirely, though, rather carried down alive to wondrous depths where strange shapes of the unwarped primal world glided to and fro before his passive eyes, and the miser merman wisdom revealed his hoarded heaps. And among the joyous, heartless, ever juvenile eternities, Pip saw the multitudinous God omnipresent coral insects that out of the firmament of waters heaved the colossal orbs. He saw God's foot upon the treadle of the loom and spoke to it. And therefore his shipmates called him mad. So man's insanity is heaven's sense. And wandering from all mortal reason, man comes at last to that celestial thought, which to reason is absurd and frantic. And weal or woe feels them uncompromised, indifferent as his God. Thank you, Herman. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about Moby Dick that, uh, that uh, had such an effect on you? Well, you know, it's a great big argument with God to figure out why am I here and what's this all about. And it never provides any answers, but it cracks open all those big questions. It would not only be dull, it would be kind of scary to know that I didn't have access to, again, all information at any time. And uh, the fact that also this information is free, um, except, you know, paid for us by tax dollars, but um, it's, just, uh, it's just very comforting to know that it's, that it's here. I think uh, we, we are very much book lovers, and uh, the library is the best way for us to uh, have, uh, you know, a huge collection of books that we couldn't uh, keep in our house ourselves. <laughs> What's interesting is our, um, our kids have autism, and one of the first um, signs we sort of realized when our older son was four, that, um, or three, that he could recite hundreds of books, including books that we had checked out from the library four months earlier, but he couldn't answer, what is your name, or how old are you? And um, There was a lack of spontaneous speech. It's what they call delayed echolalia, which uh, echolalia, you probably have heard, it's when you repeat back what the person just said, delayed echolalia is when you repeat back what you heard uh, a long time ago, but it is in fact a direct echo of what was said um, without spontaneous speech. It seems to be most of the time filled with youngsters who are using it and the machines and so on, which mm -hmm. I think is wonderful that mm -hmm. it's available to them. 
and then when, so he was um, we realized he had autism at three when he was three and um, right after his little brother was born and for a while I sort of like oh my goodness I read to him too much I didn't read to my younger one until he was a year old because I was like, oh no, you know, <laughs> I, I created the echolalia. Yeah, but... and of course it turns out that uh, the younger one, uh, we found out later, also has autism. And, and loves uh, books just And loves books just as much, so, you know, I mean, go figure. It's, uh, and no. so what I come to realize later is that just somehow books make more sense to them than conversation. But sort of realizing later, you know, that, that probably all the reading we did to them gave them a much richer thing to draw on. Because mm -hmm. a lot of kids um, that have the de delayed echolalia are reciting from um, movies or videos. cartoons, videos, and sort of yeah. realizing, oh, I'm so glad they're reciting from books. One thing I've always felt is I, I have a hard time with people who believe that their paradigm, their belief structure, uh, is is true and correct, but simultaneously, you know, maybe the other side of their mouth will refuse to gain new information that will that might force them to adjust that paradigm and belief structure. Well, anything else you want to say to the world at large about what you how you feel about reading and being oh, able to well, read words? Oh, reading is very important, and uh, especially when you get to be much older and don't have a regular job. Reading is a wonderful pastime, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it, even if you physically start to be not always as agile as you used to be, you can always read and take yourself into a different place. Well, I think libraries are a kind of second home. They're comforting. When you come in there, you don't have food with you, or you shouldn't have food with you, but it's a very comforting place to come to and uh, a good investment, I think, certainly on a par with any community center or any sports facility. I would only want to persuade people to encourage, their, take their children to libraries when they're young. I mean, it's, there are so many other things other than just the books that are offered for all the different programs. So I think it's a, a, it's a wonderful community center. One of the reasons why I went to library school and why I've always loved libraries is just just the whole cornerstone of the community idea where the same things and access to the same things, uh, particularly like computer, internet access, books, mm -hmm. education, is all available to every member of the community no matter, no matter what, financial, anything. And uh, with internet access too, I think levels of playing field for some people that are looking for jobs, mm -hmm. uh, going to school. We have people going to school that log in, get their assignments, do their assignments here. Wow. One of my uh, colleagues who retired two or three years ago had been here and in this branch of this library for 30 years, which is hard to imagine. But it, um, and she didn't live here, but she was definitely part of the community. And the library, libraries are really important in that they're fundamental, I think, in in um, the operation of something like a democratic republic that we have, you know, without it, um, without them, I can't imagine that the populace could um, 
respond with some level of intelligence to events around them. I just think it's really important for our communities to support libraries because uh, in this community I'm very, very pleased to see what King County is doing and this library here is always very busy and is a part of our island community and I just hope other organizations feel the same way and that libraries, you know, continue to exist because even though there's so much rich stuff available on the internet, there's no substitute for just sitting down with a book, you know, kind of cuddled up when it's cold and raining. Personally, I don't know how to even turn on a computer, and I don't want to know. I don't want to. I'd rather just come to the library. Rather come to the library. Browsing. Anything else you want to say about the value of a library or the value of knowing how to read or books in I general? I can't imagine life without books. Books are what I do every day. <laughs> Some I, I spend, and sometimes newspapers too, but... I probably spend an hour to two hours every day reading in one reading. form or another, and books are what keep my mind occupied all the time. That's, I love to read, and it takes takes you places you haven't been and explains cultures you haven't seen. And I just I just love books. That's awesome. And anything else you want to say to the world at large about books or what they've meant to you or reading in general? Well, they've meant everything to me at this age. Um, I don't get around very much or very easily. And so my books are the most important thing to me. Well, I guess I take my children first. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, we'll take them. <laughs> take them in the and book first, then the books. <laughs> then, then the books, then the books. Well, there it is. Another installment of hearing folks talking about reading, libraries, books, and written arts of many types. What do you think? Agree? Disagree? Want to add to the conversation? Maybe suggest a book, poem, or share a story? Then email your comments, questions, or contributions to thsimple at gmail.com. Maybe we'll find a way to have you be part of Bookbench as well. We would like to thank Deborah Schneider of KCLS for her support and belief. Big thanks and kudos as well to Charlie Rathbun and Four Culture and the King County Performance Network. Theatre Simple has crossed paths with librarian Vicki Heck before, and we were delighted to work with her again at Mercer Island. So thanks, Vicki, and thanks as well to all the remarkable, dedicated folks who work and volunteer at Mercer Island Library, and really, throughout the entire King County Library system. You all rock. For Theater Simple, Lisa Holland and Andrew Litsky did the interviews. Andrew edited, and I, I'm Lisa, narrated. Thanks as well to Rick Lorig, who made our vague hopes of an indoor installation that could set up fast in a library a reality. He totally rocks. Thanks as well to Chandra Cogburn for the music underscoring these podcasts. For more information about her work, check out chandracogburn.com. That's C-H-A-N-D-R-A-C-O-G-B-U-R-N dot com. For more information about Theatre Simple, or to catch other podcasts, go to theatresimple.org. That's T-H-E-A-T-E-R, simple, S-I-M-P-L-E, dot O-R-G. Or you can subscribe to Park Bench via iTunes. For Theatre Simple, I'm Lisa Holland. Thanks for listening.
Maybe we'll see you on the park bench someday. Thank you.